Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning into another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. We're your hosts, Lolita and Kyle. Today on the show, we have Scott Ringline here with us. Scott, thanks so much for your time. How's it going? You're welcome. It's going great. Thanks. Awesome. Well, before we get started, here is a little bit about Scott. Scott is the founder and CEO of the Energy Alliance Group of North America. He started EAG in 2011 to develop and deploy innovative solutions to energy, waste, and environmental challenges. With his team's expertise, they have been solving the challenges that companies face when considering efficiency and conservation improvements. Cost savings and improving inefficiencies is a huge one for all you multifamily investors out there, so we can't wait to dive into that later. Well, let's have you start, Scott, and could you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, so I uh, cut my teeth in the automotive sector. I spent uh, close to 30 years there, undergrad in mechanical engineering, master's degree in manufacturing engineering, and as most of the nation knows, in 08, that sector kind of imploded. And so I took a right-hand turn, and uh, that was the last time I worked in automotive, and uh, started my first company in 2009, worked for the Department of Energy for a few years, and then in 2011, started the Energy Alliance Group to focus on developing solutions for energy efficiency, water conservation, and renewable energy challenges. Very cool. So today, obviously, we're going to talk about renewable energy and energy efficient uh, technologies. But what made you kind of want to get started in that? It sounds like, you know, going from automotive to this, what what was that like? Uh, in one word, money, and not the money that I would make. But um, the realization that there were funding mechanisms out there that could actually work and benefit company's ability to deploy these types of improvements. So in the automotive sector, um, getting capital for something that the customer was going to pay for was easy, but getting capital for something that the company was going to pay for was a struggle. And typically it was because of the constraints on the financials having, you know, really short payback periods. So you could do the low hanging fruit, but you couldn't do anything capital intensive. And in 2011, I came across several programs. One of them was uh, PACE, which we'll talk about later, that allowed access to longer term funding. So it had better terms, better rates, different types of securities, and it allows you to do pretty much anything in those three sectors of efficiency, conservation, and renewable energy. And that's, that was like the aha moment for me. Okay. So can you give uh, the listeners some examples of these technologies that you're talking, you're going to talk about today? 
Yeah, so on the multifamily side, you know, it could be uh, from roofs and doors and windows and insulation to lighting and controls and boilers, uh, laundry equipment, uh, you know, low flow toilets, um, renewable energy, so certainly solar, um, but even um, we're starting to see uh, like large scale um, multifamilies that are using what we call micro turbines for generating hot water and electricity. And so it's very, very broad, but lots of different applications, especially for the multifamily sector. Okay. And I know a lot of these apartment buildings do not have a lot of these types of efficiencies uh, incorporated into them. I think you mentioned it earlier. I'm guessing the biggest thing is funding or, or finding the capital for it. But what are some ways around this where investors can get involved and, you know, kind of uh, almost impact invest, right? It, it's a double, a double rewarded uh, type of program. Exactly. And that was one of the things that I picked up in your guys' uh, website is that, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're able to improve the property and, you know, be a more efficient property, a more conservation property and deploy renewable energy. So right now, probably the biggest program that's out there is called PACE, Property Assessed Clean Energy. And uh, this is a funding program that started in California in 2009. It's now deployed in 35 states throughout the US. And uh, the structure of it has been around since actually the 1700s. It's the same tool or the same funding mechanism that we use for infrastructure improvement, so sewer and water, but now we're applying it to our buildings. And so what it does is it uses a property tax assessment to secure funding against the building itself, so the property value, and it stays with the property. So it's a non-recourse type of funding mechanism. But because you're doing these types of improvements to a building, it allows you to secure long-term fixed rate funding. So we're talking 20, 25 years to do most things that nobody's doing, roofs and windows and doors and renewable energy or or doing a massive retrofit of a building like you know all new toilets or <clears throat> all new lighting or actually putting in controls or new HVAC systems you know the the the, the capital intensive uh, improvements just get pushed to a side because one they're expensive two from a financial standpoint they don't have a quick return and it's easier for uh, you know an investor or CFO to just say, well, what's it going to take us to just fix it and kick the can, push it down the road? And so what PACE allows uh, owners to do is actually get access to funding above and beyond their senior debt or a mezzanine debt. And it is deployed specifically for efficiency, conservation, and renewable energy measures. And uh, uh, some states allow it for new construction. Most of the time it's being used for retrofits, but also some states are now allowing it to be used for what we call environmental conditions. So seismic, uh, flooding, um, uh, 
you know, wind. So like uh, high impact windows and stuff like that. So that's, it's really, really looking at what can we do to make the operating costs go down, but then also protect it from the environmental types of things. Okay. And so the longer term uh, debt loans now, are those allowing for people to have an ROI in less than five years? Is, is that kind of what you're seeing now? Ah, that's the beauty of it. So <clears throat> the structure is that the savings to cost ratio is going to be greater than one in year one. So right away, you have a return on investment because you're able to push out the terms. What's different about PACE than traditional capital programs is it actually looks at true life cycle cost and incorporates what the maintenance costs are going to be over that period, even your replacement cost. And so over a 25-year period, now we're looking at, okay, if I have a light bulb that's going to have to be replaced in 15 years, that cost is in the model. So you're looking at true cost, and that's how we're able to achieve a return on investment right from the get-go. And there's a lot of other advantages. Um, you know, you, you, you uh, mentioned the word debt. Here's the beauty of a tax assessment. It's not debt. It is a tax. So on the balance sheet, it shows up as an expense, not a debt. So it's not affecting credit because it's affixed to the property. There's no personal guarantee from the owner or the company that owns it. And with any tax, it transfers upon sale. Or in the case of your default, just like property tax, it remains with the property until it's purchased. What's the first dollar that comes out? Back tax payments. And because of the improvements, they stay with the property. It's all considered real property rather than personal property. And so the next owner is basically just assuming all the improvements that were already there and they've continued to be maintained because the maintenance side of it is already built into the program. Okay. Have you run into any issues with, you know, government backed debt, agency debt, as we call it, um, not allowing this tax to be imposed or this program to be imposed because of the senior debt? So uh, that's a great question because on the senior debt side and any lien against the property, you have to get consent. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, it has to be revealed. Um, on multifamily, so like, uh, you know, HUD or, you know, low income, stuff like that. Um, they're starting to take interest in the program and allowing it. Uh, early years, it didn't. And in fact, um, utilizing it for single family residential really has not taken off. It's only in a few states, but typically multifamilies looked at as a commercial property. So commercial properties, they do qualify. Typically, the hurdle of getting consent is based on just lack of knowledge of the program because it actually benefits those that have a vested interest in the property. So for example, you know, you got a property that has senior debt against it. I'm going to improve the property so I'm going to what? Reduce the operating cost, improve their net operating income because 
savings to cost ratio has to be greater than one. And because it's all real property, the value of the property just automatically increased. So if I'm holding senior debt, now I'm invested in a building that's what? Gonna operate better. Maybe you can raise your rent because you have a better performing building. Uh, the assessment can be passed on to the tenant, so easier to recover. And from a risk standpoint of default, one, it transfers with ownership, but also the principal amount when it's sold doesn't have to be paid off. It's only the back payments. So it, it follows just like traditional property taxes. So those are, you know, just a few of the benefits to those that hold that position. And as it's gotten more popular throughout the U.S., more and more of the senior lenders are taking notice. And I can give you an example. We're looking at a new construction project right now in Michigan. The funder that would typically fund the PACE side of the transaction is also interested in funding the senior debt side because now they're investing in a building that they know is going to be very efficient. And if there's a default, they still hold their first position. They just don't hold a first position over tax and they never have, you know, that's, I always hear that. Well, we have, we don't want to lose first position. Well, property taxes always had first position over any debt against a building, but it's not the entire amount. It's really just whatever is due because of, you know, missed payments or back taxes. Okay. And so earlier when we were talking, you mentioned that Arizona is one of the states that has not adopted this program. And I guess there's about 15 others. What's the biggest hurdle or challenge in getting the state to approve this program? Really just an understanding of the program. I mean, uh, um, Michigan. So there are states out there today that have approved it and it's still not being used. Act of education. You know, what are the benefits? It, because it's really an economic development tool more than anything. Um, give you a little bit of information of, you know, PACE and its structure. It is a state law, first of all. So, you know, it, it, it has to be passed by legislation. But because it's a tax, you have to create these, what we call them, PACE districts. Because the local taxing authority is actually deploying it through the taxing system. So even if you have a state that approves it, you still have to create the district. And then the district still has to communicate or market the program to their constituents that own properties within the district. And that's where we see the breakdown is just lack of knowledge. And you know, people like myself and others, we promote it. Um, I have staff in South Dakota that's a non-PACE program. We've gotten sponsored legislation. It's went to the floor a couple of times and just no interest, mainly because of lack of knowledge. That's really the big thing. Okay. And so when you're saying that it must be a one-for-one -one cost to savings, how far out can you push that? I mean, are some of these savings over five years or are these now being extended 15, 20, 25 years in order to get it to that one-to-one? -one? Yeah, so, you know, certainly lighting, it's fast return, 
kind of low impact from a cost standpoint. And you can find decent terms out there for like a lighting project. You know, you can get a five year or maybe a seven year term and hit a payback of three years. But then when you start moving into, you know, HVAC, building envelope, roofs and stuff like that, you need time. So the beauty is PACE is all about taking a holistic approach to improving your facility. So when we go in and we look at a building, we're looking at everything that can be done with PACE dollars. And then we're combining the quote, low hanging fruit that has a quick return with something that's going to take a lot longer. When you combine them together, it's a lot easier to achieve this savings to cost ratio in year one. Also, PACE has no effect on incentives that you get from your local utility companies or tax credits, you know, through federal and state. So it's front loaded. You know, you're able to, uh, like today, you replace a roof because of the recent tax law changes. You can accelerate and depreciate the entire roof in year one. So now on your model, you get the big bang for the buck in year one. And if it's not cash flow positive without that in say year two, three, and four, well, now we're utilizing all the savings in year one, deploying it over a period of time so that it can catch up with itself. And so <clears throat> we really look at the financial side of the transaction long before we look at the technical side because the technical doesn't solve the problem. It's the money. It's always been the money. Mm -hmm. And that's always been the challenge for building owners, <clears throat> excuse me, to get access to capital that have terms such that meets whatever their financial hurdles are. And, uh, you know, some statistics out there, <clears throat> 98% or 95% of companies require some type of return on investment within seven years. 98% of these types of improvements go unfunded. You know, you guys own buildings or invest in buildings. <clears throat> if you replace a roof and you go out and you get traditional debt financing, you might get a 15 year term. It's not going to bring any return on investment within the first couple of years or the first seven or 10 years. And that's the struggle. And that's why PACE was developed and deployed for what we consider building infrastructure, because now I can go out and I can get a 25 year loan and it pays for everything. So now I can get a 25 year warranty with a maintenance agreement and that roof should perform the same on day one as it would in year 25 because it's being taken care of. And because of the length of time, it's easier to achieve some type of return early on, but then I'm gonna combine it with something else. Hey, if I'm gonna replace a roof, I'm gonna make sure that we put on a roof that can also handle ballast mounted solar. You know, where typically somebody's replacing the roof, the only thing they're thinking about is one, <laughs> the cheapest with the least amount of, you know, warranty or something like that. And they're not even considering whether or not they're going to put solar. And then when they do put solar on it and it's not made for solar, the warranty goes away. 
you start to have failures of the roof and you're right back to where you started, a failed roof. Right. Okay. So if you are in a, if you're a real estate investor in one of the 35 states where this program is approved, how do they kind of get started? So uh, <clears throat> the first thing is uh, there is a website, pacenation.org. So P-A-C-E nation.org. It's a DC based nonprofit. And you can go there and find out whether your state has it, where the districts are, and who are the people involved. Because every program is administrated by a, an organization. So you're going to see a link to that. And now you can go and actually call and get involved. And then developers like ourselves have to be approved to actually do PACE in these districts. So you know, everybody's vented and it's very structured in regards to the approach. Um, and then the same with the money side of the transaction, the investors are also vented. So not everybody can just invest through the PACE program. Um, you know, there's certain investors that you actually have to use within each state. Okay, perfect. Uh, anything else we haven't covered as far as the program or anything else you want to tell our listeners? Yeah, I think I think the really the, the biggest thing out there is that one, I'm a believer in self-educating. So make sure that, you know, you go out and you look at it. But also, it's one of these things that, you know, most of our clients say it's too good to be true. Well, every once in a while, there's something that's actually too good to be true that works. And it's actually a state law, you know, so it's regulated. Uh, the The money is coming from most of it's coming through private equity. So 401ks, insurance, stuff like that, that are looking for long-term. And you can use it, the way, we, the way we say it, if we can calculate a savings, whether it's you know utility or we're generating electricity, typically it can be approved. And so, you know, don't be afraid to look at doing things that you would typically never, ever do. Perfect. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Have you heard of the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit coming up on January 16th through the 18th? It's a three-day information-packed event for multifamily investors with over 1,000 attendees and over 50 speakers. You will hear from experts about finding deals, raising capital, underwriting strategies, selecting markets, and so much more. I've also been invited as one of the speakers to present on creating authority platforms to accelerate your success. Go to apartmentevent.com to grab your ticket and use promo code LIMITLESS to get $100 off. Whether you are new to multifamily investing or a seasoned investor, you do not want to miss this event. Join me at the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit. Visit apartmentevent.com. All right, Scott, here we go. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? I would say PACE funding, 100%. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that uh, we got involved with uh, several years ago was not doing proper due diligence with a potential client. So there, you know, there are some certain restrictions with PACE in regards to, you know, if there's existing debt, loan to value, and, and uh, you know, ownership and stuff like that. And we 
this was for, this was for an industrial building. We asked ownership about the debt. They're like, oh yeah, we don't we don't owe a lot on the building. Lots of value. Move forward with the project. Brought the funder in. When they started to do the due diligence and did the title search, they found out that they owed more against the property than the property was mm -hmm. worth. And so we changed our complete approach to projects. We focus on all the due diligence items right up front. Ask the questions that they're not difficult to answer, but you need the answers up front to really use the tool and move forward. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Wow, big question. So, um, you know, we, we're going through a, uh, a big growth right now as far as the organization. And uh, probably the, the number one thing is doing what I'm doing right now is, uh, you know, being interviewed on podcast, getting the word out about not only what we do, but also that the programs are out there and uh, grow our team. That's great. And finally, Scott, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so I'll give you two things. Uh, our website is a little long. It's, uh, you know, www.energyalliancegroup.org. Or you can type in what's possible.today. So what's possible.today. And that'll take you right to our contact page. All right. That's awesome. Well, thank you for providing us with the ideas and tools a lot of our listeners can take away from this interview. So we appreciate you being on the show. I'm very grateful to have the opportunity and uh, look forward to continued discussions. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. You bet. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.